Hey mamas, welcome back. I have a special guest on for today's episode. Her name is Ashley Tippins and she is a holistic dietitian and we really just dive into not only nutrition but just health as a whole, um, how cooking from scratch actually helps your mental health and just little tweaks here and there that we can make in our house to make it easier to eat healthier and cook healthier meals for our families. But before we get into that, I want to remind you guys that I do have an Etsy shop. And on my Etsy shop right now, I have sourdough starter kits. And these are just kits to get you started into sourdough if that is what you want to do. I think getting into sourdough right before the holidays is perfect. Right now I've been making little sourdough pumpkins. They're great centerpieces. They're delicious. And do not get too intimidated by sourdough. I promise you it is not that hard once you just understand the starter. Um, And in the sourdough starter kits, it comes with a mason jar for you to hold your activated starter. I have a dehydrated starter in there for you guys to rehydrate and step-by-step instructions for you to do that. And it also comes with a little bowl cover, a little mason jar cover to cover your starter and a big bowl cover to put over your bowls in between like proofs and stuff like that when you guys are making your sourdough. There are so many things you can do with sourdough. You are not just limited to the loaves. I have a focaccia recipe on my blog. Um, I have other recipes on my Instagram. Like I love to make um, one ingredient sourdough discard crust for pizzas. I love to use it for pot pies. I just love to use my sourdough for everything and and just having that sourdough starter just ready and bubbly and activated. You can just, you can take on the world with that once you understand it, which is why as a part of my sourdough starter kit, I have step-by-step instructions, like I said, for reactivating the dehydrated starter, but also just to get you through the process of any extra tools you might need, which aren't much. I'd say the only thing I'd highly recommend is a Dutch oven, but if you have that, you are good, you are golden, you can start making your own sourdough. So I will put the link in the show notes and you guys can grab your own sourdough starter kit and get bacon for the holidays. I'm Miranda Lee and you're listening to the Bread Therapy Mama podcast, a show created for moms who want to feed their families foods that heal them, not hurt them. Food was meant to be our medicine and the best way to do that is by focusing on the ingredients, not the calories. Here, you'll find everything you need to know about holistic nutrition sprinkled with some motherhood, faith, and non-toxic living along the way. I can't wait to grow with you. Let's dive in. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here. I love talking with um, just other women who are just super like into the health and wellness space, but... um, but just love talking about nutrition and health as a whole. So just really happy to have you here. Do you think you can give a quick introduction of who you are and what you do and what got you here today? Sure. So my name's Ashley and I'm a registered dietitian and I have been in the health field 
for a while now. Um, I got my undergrad through Kansas State University and my graduate degree at The Ohio State University. And I'm currently the outpatient dietitian and public health nutritionist for the Blackfeet Community Hospital. So I work with an indigenous population right now and focus a lot on cultural foods. Wow, that's that's really cool. I remember reading that in your bio and I was like, what does that exactly mean? So that is so cool. Can you like talk about that a little more? Like what it means to, I don't know, because it seems like you're very narrowed down to obviously like one culture. So is is like the how you navigate health and wellness different there than maybe uh, just a doctor you'd go to down the road who just sees anyone and everyone? So a little bit. There is definitely a difference in how we work with our population because having a tribal culture, um, it, it really is kind of its own little world in the way people relate to themselves and their families and their communities and their environment. Um, one of the things that I I really got into was studying their perceptions of diet and what that means to them. Because if we backtrack a little bit, I've been into genealogy and uh, culture and identity ever since I was way little. And I guess I always had this idea, this concept, this love of the foods that we bring from from our families, from our cultures that are handed down to us and what they mean to us. So uh, when I was at OSU, my graduate thesis was on the health and diet perceptions of Native American women. And we asked them to define what is a healthy diet? What does that look like? And then we asked them define a traditional diet and what that looks like, and then see if they thought that the two were one in the same. And what I found was that traditional diets were defined very differently. There was a lot of cultural identification where it was the um, the potatoes and the beef and the fry bread and things like that, which is very, very different than the historically traditional diet of wild game, roots, berries, uh, a whole plethora of foraged foods. So trying to reconnect people with something that's not only going to increase that cultural identity, but also their health, because obviously if we're doing wild game versus a very not lean beef or, um, you know, traditional root vegetables versus white potatoes, we're going to start seeing an improvement in not just the biometrics and the health measurements, but also um, a lot of the mental health aspects of things as well. Hmm, that's so interesting. Have they been, um, I mean, I'm sure the answer is yes, but have they been like influenced by like the American diet and like their, like the whole like Western food as much or? Um, so, so much. So the sad thing about tribal reservations is that they tend to be food deserts. And one thing that we're really fighting for is food sovereignty, where we are moving away from being handed these packaged processed foods and moving back towards making foods available on the land. The tribe, for example, has been increasing their number in their bison herd. Uh, people are establishing greenhouses. A, a group that I work with called the um, Food Access in Sovereignty Team 
Uh, they have been doing a lot with tea gardens and traditional medicines and getting people back into that because we have seen so much. Um, the health disparities in the Native American population are, are huge. Statistically, if you look at them, uh, diabetes, overweight, obesity, hypertension, heart disease, all of these things are higher in a Native population than almost every other ethnic group. And that is largely because of these food deserts, because it is such a westernized and processed diet that they literally have everything against against them. It's it's an environment that just promotes all of these chronic conditions. So then as a dietitian, what do you like, what are your top recommendations for them in their specific um, instances? Like if they're in a food desert and they're struggling to eat the most nourishing foods, um, what are your go-tos to help them improve their nutrition and health overall? So one thing is I do like to point everybody towards the resources that are available. That it's called Fast Blackfeet, the Food Access and the Sustainability Team. They do a lot with working to provide vouchers and providing uh, boxes of food for people. And they have a dietitian on staff that I work really closely with as well. So they're trying to get that out to people. And it's not income dependent because it's health based. Um, but I point them towards that. But then I also say, okay, what is available to you? Hunting is very, very big up here. We are just outside of Glacier National Park. So there's a lot of rather large game hunting, a lot of deer, a lot of elk, moose, uh, bison. So I encourage people to take advantage of that because that goes back again to the traditional roots, the traditional foods. Um, and we have uh, hunters against hunger around here, which allows the people who do hunt to give their excess meat to those who might not be able to. And caring for elders especially is a really big part of the culture here. But aside from that, everybody has this conception that if I want to eat healthy, I have to eat fresh food, organic food. I can't have anything quote unquote normal. And I try to break that myth, um, especially living up here. We call it the high line. So we are a stone's throw away from Canada and quality of produce is not always ideal. So I tell people frozen is next to fresh. Canned, if that's what's available to you, use it. We need to stop villainizing foods just because we have this idea of what social media has presented to us. You know, they TikTok, Facebook, all that. People see these videos of how I eat in a day and it can actually do more harm than good because it's so demotivating because it makes it seem like it's inaccessible to so many people. So I say, start with what you got, start with what's available and let's build from there. Yeah, I love that because there's no like one right way to to eat healthy, to eat in, in general. Because like in your situation, you're working with people who are in food deserts and then there are other people who just, you know, that might be in a low income place. Um, everyone has different different struggles that they have to work with, but it doesn't mean that 
you can't eat healthy. I mean, I was watching, I'm not sure if you saw this on Netflix, but it was all about the blue zones. And um, I'm pretty sure like, at least I did, I kind of assumed that all blue zones like did the same thing, I guess. Cause it's like, oh, there are the blue zones. They must, um, you know, always just assuming that, oh, they're all plant-based because that's what people used to talk about. All blue zones are plant-based, but like, each blue zone had like its own unique um, like set of, I don't want to say rules, but kind of this framework that they followed that was so different to each blue zone. And they all thrived in like different ways and they all lived for a really long time. So, I mean, I think that's something we need to do as well. Cause I think we look on social media and we're like, okay, I need to find like the one right way to eat healthy and like, we went through years and years of, of diet culture. And I think as a society, we were kind of doing a good way of, of recognizing that and, and, you know, taking steps away to just try to be healthier, but there are still people on social media trying to like set these rules of how to eat healthy. And like, of course, in a perfect world, we would all, you know, have chickens laying eggs in our backyard and our own beef cattle and growing all our food and our own gardens but I mean that's that's not realistic and that's not something that 99.9% of the population can do so I like that you talk about these misconceptions because it's going to be different for everyone and part of it is also um knowing how to make things. And I love to teach cooking classes. I love to teach skills. And I love to break down the barriers that these everybody has about making your own fill in the blank. Because we live in such a fast-paced world. One of the biggest things I hear is, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to cook. I don't have time to meal prep. I don't have time to do whatever it may be. And I think, again, a lot of this comes from social media where you see these refrigerators and they are beautiful looking. They're perfectly organized with matching containers and everything is prepped and made and labeled for the week ahead. And these people can spend a whole day doing that or more than likely they may have somebody else doing it for them. But that is not reality. (laughs) That's not my reality. My reality is using something where I know what I'm going to make, you know, I'll have a week's worth of recipes ready to go. And then I just look and say, okay, I feel like making this one. Or more often than not, I look at the state of my produce and say, okay, what do I need to use first? (laughs) But it's, it's something where, um, where we do think we have to do things a, a very specific way. And I try to teach people that meal prep doesn't have to look like that. Meal prep can just be having an idea, finding those couple recipes, shopping for them, just knowing your options. Or it could be chopping some veggies, throwing a sheet pan of chicken in the oven, and maybe making a pot of quinoa. And then you have those ready to go, and you can mix and match and throw things together as you need. Um, it's It could be making some overnight oats ahead of time or making some egg bites. I try to incorporate things where it's very easy, low barriers. The cost of entry to this kind of thing should be very, very low. 
Um, it should not involve having to buy special ingredients or special uh, containers or special equipment or whatever the case may be. It's it's making eating healthy easier. And eating healthy, like you said, does not have to look one particular way. Because going back to that whole blue zone thing, people in Greece and people in Japan both have, you know, these blue zone sort of uh, frameworks, but very different climates, very different uh, availabilities of food, very different cultural preferences. But like you said, it's that framework. And that's what I want to try to get people back to away from the processed food and saying, hey, you know what? You want chicken tenders or something? Guess what? It's really not that hard to make them at home with a whole chicken breast and throw it in the oven. You know, you don't have to get it fried at the deli. Um, things like yogurt, things like um, stews, things that people like and think they need to purchase, I try to teach them that it's really not that hard. Um, I always say, if you can read, you can cook. <laughs> you know, everybody's like, oh, I'm a terrible cook. I, I, I can't cook anything. I was like, listen, it's not that intimidating. It's okay. <laughs> so um, teaching those skills, it's really, really important so that they can find their version of healthy. Yeah. And, and like you were talking about the meal prep, that's something that I always say too. It's like, you don't have to prep individual meals, but, you know, you chop up veggies for the week, you, you make your quinoa, your brown rice or whatever, and you have that ready. Like you are preparing for these future meals that makes your life easier. I mean, one thing that even made my life so much easier is just making a board and just writing down what we are going to have for dinner. But yeah, I think like the hardest part is figuring out like, you know, what are you going to eat? So for me, like that helped me was like, okay, I'm just going to write down like a week's worth of, of what we're going to have for dinner. So when that day rolls around and my husband gets off work and the first thing he asks me is what's for dinner, I can just look at the board and say, oh, we're, we're having sourdough pizza tonight. And I'm like, okay, I already know that's what we're going to make. I know how to make it and let's do it. And you know, we we don't have to have some fancy food, like where it's a new meal every night. Like I kind of have my same five to 10 meals that we just keep cy cycling through, maybe make some changes every here, here and there, you know, try to add more variety of whatever vegetables that we decide to use or, you know, try to stay a little more in season. But, you know, cooking and making healthy food it doesn't have to be hard and it doesn't have to take a bunch of time. And I think that's what scares people because we live in a world where you can buy everything pre-made on the shelves. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the only way to get those foods to taste amazing and to last in the fridge or freezer or counter as long as they do is adding things that aren't necessarily the best for our bodies. Exactly. And that's that's another reason why I try to get people to move away from the box, the bag, the frozen. It has its place. Don't get me wrong. I mean, some things, if you're really in a pinch, fine. But when I see most people saying, well, I just don't have time. This is where I go into the, the slightly triggering hard-nosed coach mode. And I say, okay, 
let's take a look at what your days really look like. Do you really not have time or are you just prioritizing something else? And when we do that lovely little thing where we look at the screen time on the phones and we look at what's being used and what time it's being used, we're finding a lot that it's come home, sit down, look at a screen. And that is taking priority over preparing a healthful meal. And so just trying to get a shift in priorities, people kind of see that, okay, it doesn't have to take that long. I, despite being a dietitian, I really don't like meal planning. So there's an app that I've used for years and it's created by dietitians. So I trust it where it does all the work for me. And that's where I say, even if you don't know ahead of time what you're going to make, if you can get home and just look at your board or an app or something and know that you have these five recipes to pick from, it takes the guesswork out of things. Because when we are put in a position to make food choices, if we don't have a plan, we're going to start to slide towards the easiest or the ones that are going to uh, give us the little brain rush that makes us happy and going for those craving comfort type of foods. So having a plan, any sort of plan in place is, is a great first step. Hey guys, I want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about my favorite online market, which is Thrive Market. I just absolutely love everything that Thrive stands for. They are on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable. They have high quality, healthy, sustainable products at member only prices. So you get all this high quality stuff for a bargain. Like these prices cannot be beat anywhere else. And you can not only get like pantry essentials and grocery items, but there's also non-toxic cleaning supplies, beauty items, baby and bath products, and even biodynamic wine. Like they have anything and everything that you need if you like went to the local Walmart or something like that, except they only carry products that they want 100% back, which I love. So you're not going to go on there and find like Doritos and Pringles, but you are going to find healthier alternatives that, you know, are dye free or that or organic or gluten free, like just healthier versions of the snacks and foods that you love. And I think my favorite part is that they have these filters for you to filter through your values or your dietary preference preferences or lifestyle choices. So like, for example, for me, whenever I'm trying to um, get food or groceries on Thrive Market, I'll always do like the filters for organic, gluten-free and dye-free because those are just my dietary preferences and allergies. And it will just give me everything that fits those those filters and then you know if I want to get some makeup on there or cleaning supplies like I'll look at women only I'll put like the women owned only business filter on there I'll do fair trade or I'll do eco-friendly packaging and it'll bring up everything that fits that I love it and I think my most favorite part of Thrive Market, which you can't really find at any other grocery store, is that they give you little refill packs for your seasonings, like salt, pepper, paprika, garlic powder, whatever. You can order that on Thrive Market as well. And I love that because you don't have to just get a whole new container every time, which is so wasteful. They just give you 
a little packet for you to refill your own containers at home. Um, but that's just personally one of my favorite parts. So I don't have, that just helps me reduce my carbon footprint and waste that I'm, and that's something I'm really passionate about. So yes, Thrive Market is amazing for a million different reasons. So it is a $60 annual membership fee or you pay $12 a month for the membership, you get free shipping if you spend $49 or more, which is amazing because that's super easy. You know, when you grocery shop, you're spending $49 at least. So free, fast, carbon neutral shipping, like super fast. Um, and with my link, you are going to get 30% off your first order and a free gift valuing up to $60. So you can go in the show notes for my link or you can go to linktree.com forward slash this is Miranda Lee and I'll have it on there. But I highly recommend Thrive Market. I've had it for years and I will have it probably forever. It is just a great way to have high quality products but also save money and it fits in my budget. I absolutely love it. So like I said, check the show notes for your 30% off and free gift. And let's get back to the episode. I think we go, we go through like this decision fatigue so mm-hmm. much. We're like, we just need to set ourselves up for success, have a plan and just make our lives a little easier when it comes to cooking and our nutrition. Because for some reason, for so many people, we let that like take take the back seat when it needs it needs to be a priority I mean we are so used to the convenience foods that we think just because it feeds us in the moment that it's going to nourish us in the future and 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 it's not and like why do you think all these all these other areas or all these blue zones like they're living for so long it's because they're taking the time to you know cook whole foods to eat nutrient dense fruits and vegetables and um and make those meals and they're not just going to the store and picking up a frozen tv dinner Mm -hmm. that's not what that's not that's not the definition of health and that's something me and my husband talk about a lot is yes people nowadays are, are living a lot longer but the quality of life is so much worse right right it's also it's almost by artificial means if you, if you would. And, and that's the thing It's you, again, you look back at those blue zones and you look at how food is tied to culture and tradition. And you think of these little old ladies making pasta sauce in their kitchen, making their pasta, things like that. And it kind of goes back to the processed foods, the convenience foods, the easy things have so much stuff added to them for that flavor, for that palatability, for the shelf stability. And when we pull that out and we say, okay, well, why can't you make this yourself? And you start teaching people those skills. It almost becomes therapeutic in a way. It's good for mental health. It's good for relationships. If you bond and your kids, your your significant other do things with you, you do it with your aunts or your parents or grandparents, whatever. You have that component. You're getting more nutrition. Uh, Take, for example, I make my own yogurt because it's so easy. And when you realize how easy it is, I I asked myself, I said, why didn't I start doing this sooner? And guess what? There are no artificial sweeteners. There are no uh, thickeners. There are no emulsifiers. It's, It's milk and 
and the bacteria that ferments it. Um, Bread, you know, right up your alley, your kind of thing. When you realize, oh, there are five ingredients in bread. It's easy to make your own pizza dough, your own pasta, your own whatever it may be. There's there's a therapeutic, there's uh, that mental health, there's the nutrition aspect of it. Um, and again, it goes, it, there's even that kind of spiritual woo-woo part of it because you're finding that connection. You know, you're finding a part of yourself. And, and that's what I really want people to start doing instead of turning a blind eye and just thinking, oh, well, I can't, it's too hard. I don't know how. Let's step outside that box and realize that you really can and maybe you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I think that that's a big thing that people don't understand is like the mental health aspect that that is so beneficial from taking the time to cook your own meal. And I just I don't think we have the same appreciation for food that they did back in the day, which is probably why we like overeat so much as a country. And I just think when you actually take a step back to make your own food like I always say that me learning how to make sourdough bread is what pulled me out of my postpartum depression it was so therapeutic and it was so beneficial for my mental health it wasn't just you know making bread and saving money because I mean I I don't even know if I was saving money by making bread at home bread is cheap in the store bread's not expensive but you know just the basically the, the pride and joy of like wow I put so much time and effort and um just I made this with my hands was just so uh, just it brought so much joy and happiness and I wish that people could feel that same like sense of just positivity from sitting down and making their own meal Mm -hmm. and taking the time like yeah it might take an hour it might take two hours depending on what you're making I mean I'm all for the the five minute meals that you know take only a couple minutes to make and they're healthy but like there's nothing bad when it comes to taking the time to make quality food for yourself or the people around you your family your friends and just sitting around that table and enjoying the work that you just put in to this meal like I that's probably why so many people have mental health issues no one's no one's doing that anymore I feel like that could that could help a lot of people. Right. Get back in the time. kitchen. <laughs> You'll feel better. Trust me. Exactly. <laughs> but, I really but, do. See, and, and another, uh, another part that goes with the mental health, because that's the thing with health, with a holistic view, everything is connected. And for example, preparing these foods in a more natural way, you're going to have more of those nutrients, more of the nutrients, probiotics, fiber, things like that. They're going to feed that microbiome. And we are finding so much research in the microbiome right now and its connection with mental health. And we're finding that if you have those good bacteria, um, you're going to have a, a higher overall mental state. And as we all know, you know, the the higher you are mentally on our little, if we look at our pyramid of our vibrations, essentially, the higher you are, the more you're going to spread that out, the more you satisfied you're going to be, the more you're going to have that sense of connection with yourself, with others, with, with nature, with everything. Um, so it all, it all goes around full circle. Yeah. I mean, we look at how it was back in the day 
and I feel like we tried so we we've tried so hard to make everything so much easier and faster and less connected basically I mean and I'm all for feminism but I I think they're the women had something when they were in the kitchen for hours a day and just cooking meals for their family like if that's something you enjoy like there's nothing wrong with that like my my husband loves to cook too and he he is I he's a better cook than me my husband's the type of person where like he'll try something once and then be better at it than than me or anyone else I'm just like that's not fair I've been doing this for years (laughs) but like he'll like take the time like put the the chicken on the barbecue and and let it like slow slow roast and do all these things and he's just so proud of his food and I'm just like like the happiness that it brings him for he's like oh try try what I made try what I made like I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with taking the time to actually like make a meal that takes a while because I just feel like we're in a world where it's like faster means better you know we need more time to do other things where it's like well I mean back in the day a a bulk of people's time was either hunting the food or making the food like that was their life like that was their entire day and and you know it goes back to this what else would you really be doing you know, I ask my patients that and my coaching clients. And that's when we go back to, you know, seeing seeing what you're doing in, would you just be sitting mindlessly watching something on Netflix? Would you be scrolling through Instagram or TikTok? I mean, what's more important? And this is where we look at those priorities and what's going to move you closer to the you you want to be, the life you want to have. If, if that means spending a little less time on your devices and a little more time in the kitchen. Is that such a bad thing? Yeah. Oh man. That's, that's so true. I think a lot of people would like, if they actually looked at how much screen time they, (laughs) they accumulate. And I always, I think about it every day going back to like a flip phone or something. And the only thing holding me, holding me back is that we move every couple of years and I need GPS. (laughs) that's the only thing if I could find like a phone that has GPS but wasn't a smartphone (laughs) I would I would totally do it because yeah we think that that's what relaxing is is like sitting down watching TV or sitting down scrolling through our phone when like I mean zoning out yeah zoning out Mm mm-hmm Yeah, we think that social media connects us and brings us together, but all the research has shown that it's actually pretty much the opposite. Um, And so I just, why would you want to bring that vibration down? You know, why would you want to spend your time doing that instead of something you enjoy? Maybe it's not cooking, you know, maybe it's something else. Maybe, maybe you like the growing part of things. Maybe you're into digging in the dirt and gardening, um, whether it's, you know, in the ground, in a box, a uh, vertical, um, arrow garden. I love my arrow gardens, um, but we have a very short growing season up here. So mm. I don't think I'd be able to grow anything otherwise. Um, but maybe that's your thing, or maybe, you know, you're the creative type. And instead of scrolling, you get back into drawing or painting or crafting something, you know, it's, it it doesn't just have to be 
about food, but I, you know, I know we're focusing on that, but again, it's the whole, how we're prioritizing things. And we do put food and other things that fill us up and sustain us and fulfill us so much lower on the totem pole than, than things that just sort of waste our time, but has become the norm because it's easy. It's easy. It's accessible. It's, I mean, at any point in time, you know, if you're feeling bored, you just pick up your phone and you see something. And how many times, how many people do you know who pin and save and, and mark all of these recipes or share all of these food things, but don't actually make anything? <laughs> Oh so it's like, God, look, yes. away from the screen, like put it into, put it into play. If you're going to spend your time finding stuff on there, cause I'm not going to lie. There are some pretty cool ideas out there. Pretty good sounding recipes. Put it into play, make it sometime, you know, don't just save it, do it. Oh man. I'm, I'm guilty of that. The <laughs> amount of, amount of recipes and stuff I saved or, oh. or me and my parents were always sending them back and forth to each other. Oh man, you should see my Pinterest board. So <laughs> I can't say, you know, I'm, I'm guiltless here. <laughs> so what, what what tips do you think you have for our audience where or maybe like some some first steps or some some steps that maybe aren't so um intimidating to kind of make that swap from this super fast-paced life to all right, I want to slow down, focus on my my health whether it's nutrition or mental health what are some changes they can make in their life that you that you recommend to maybe your clients so the first thing that i ask people is what does a healthy life look like to you what kind of what kind of person do you want to be meaning what in your healthiest vision of yourself what kind of things do you eat what kind of movements do you do? What does your sleep schedule look like? How's how's your work-life balance? What do you do in your free time? How do you connect with other people around you? What does your environment look like? We look at all of these things and we have them say, okay, this, this is what it is. This is what I want to look like at some point in the future. Say, okay, Let's break that down. And it's going to look different to everyone. So maybe they say, I'm really bad about eating vegetables, but it's not that I don't like them. It's just I don't think about them. I get that a lot because we live in a very meat and potatoes kind of area. So I say, okay, all right. So let's maybe take what you're already doing and add to it. So you're doing meat and potatoes. What's your favorite vegetable? Say, okay, green beans, for example. They like green beans? All right. Throw that on your plate a couple times a week. And then let's move from there. Let's add a little bit. I always like to say low-hanging fruit. Let's find the things that are really easy for you to do, whether that's um, eating some hard-boiled eggs in the morning instead of skipping or um, throwing that vegetable in for dinner or taking a a 10 minute movement break at a point in your day when you know you can do it. Um, taking, you know, setting a timer on your phone. You know, I know Instagram has it where you can say, you know, only allow this much time and then, you know, you get that little pop-up. Okay, pay attention to that pop-up. And instead of continuing scrolling, make it a point to say, okay, once that goes off, I'm going to 
enter blank, read a book for 15 minutes instead of, because you're already spending that time doing things, right? But if it's not a thing that is really moving you towards that vision of yourself, let's figure out how else we can restructure that. So whether it's that, you know, uh, doing something that you enjoy, or um, maybe it's doing a quick meditation before you get out of bed, or there are just so many different things. And it's all dependent on the person and what they want, you know, because some people might not care about meditating. Other people, they might say, this is, you know, I've done it before and I felt really good and I want to move towards that again. Um, maybe some people want to move more towards plant-based. Other people, you know, want to get just kind of that bare minimum amount of vegetables in. So it's all, it's all very dependent, but you want to look at your goals, look at the steps that you can take towards those goals and then pick the easiest ones. I call them the low-hanging fruit because they are the things that require really no extra effort from us, maybe just a little restructuring. And doing those things is going to build self-efficacy, which means that you're going to look at that and say, oh, I did that. Okay, so let's take it a step further. And you're going to feel good and you're going to feel like you are able to. Um, and then, you know, we build from that, you get that snowball effect. And that's why they say, you know, uh, a marathon starts with one step, you know, you can't go from start to finish, you got to take the journey. Um, but some people, you know, they don't always know what that vision looks like, which is why I created a workbook that goes through all of the areas of wellness, and it asks questions. Some questions might be a little a little tough because we do turn a blind eye to a lot of things in our lives that maybe they're not going quite the way we want to. So we just compartmentalize and ignore them. Um, but it asks you, you know, okay, let's look at all of these things and rate them. And we, I, I have a scoring system and everything. And I say, okay, so these are kind of where you're a little out of balance. Now think of some goals. What what would you like this to look like? And then from there, we break that down into uh, the steps. So kind of kind of to gain a little bit of clarity. Yeah, I love that because a lot of people are like, "Well, I don't even know what mm -hmm. what I want what I want to do or who I want to be or what my definition of of health is." So so that's great. I'll definitely um put all your stuff in the bio so people can reach out to you if they're interested in that. But I mean, going back to like your tips that you have, I love that you like you reference the whole low hanging fruit because the way social media and diet culture and everything is focusing on like taking things out, like stop doing this, stop doing this when we should be adding things in. And mm -hmm. that's what just makes it more realistic, you know? I feel like social media or maybe even like personal trainers or, or, you know, fitness gurus would be like, oh, you're eating meat and potatoes every night. Like, okay, no potatoes. Let's do cauliflower rice or something like that. When, when that's not sustainable, people aren't going to enjoy it. And there's, there's, there's room for improvement. Like if you're, let's say you're adding in the green beans, like you said, 
you might not have as much room to eat as much potatoes as you had. So it's exactly food crowding is a big thing that I promote and it can be with anything. Let's add in the good stuff so that there's not quite as much room for the other stuff. Um, you know, I had a patient who she was drinking six sodas every single day. And I said, okay, you know what, uh, where do you want to go with this? And so she told me, and I say, well, let's do this. Let's, let's crowd it out with some water or some, you know, I don't care if you use the Mio drops, you drink LaCroix, let's just get some other fluid in you. So I said, let's help, let's do this, you know, uh, a soda at your meal times, And then in between, let's crowd a little bit. And so that's been working. Um, like you said, throwing more of the veggies in and making, you know, that plate look a little different over time. Um, Cause I think huge changes just are not sustainable. Like you said, if they are not enjoyable and they are too big, too much all at once does not work. So when people say, I'm just going to clear out all my pantry, I'm going to completely change the way I'm eating. I'm going to start working out for an hour every single day. I'm like, let's, Let's put a pin in that. Let's just dial back a little bit. <laughs> you know, we'll yeah. get there. If that's where you want to be, we'll get there one step at a time. Yeah, because that's something people don't understand. They 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 want to get there faster. But if they just if you if years ago when you started that first diet, you would have just started making little changes, you probably would already be there. But people want the fast route. And unfortunately, there's a reason why diet companies or multi-billion dollar companies and it's because it's set up for us to fail and people think that they're the problem like them themselves is the problem when you're doing it right because you were supposed to fail Mm -hmm. oh yeah the 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 entire environment everything is we're we are in an uphill battle to maintain our health man yeah, it's it's crazy that we have to fight that, especially when we're being told that at our fingertips on our phones every single day. But, you know, I say the number one way for for food freedom is through food education. And that's why I'm grateful for people like you coming on my podcast to to teach people this so, you know, they could be their their biggest advocate instead of just relying on on the advice of of random people on on the internet so thank you for coming on <laughs> well no it's you know this is this is kind of what we live for because there is so much misinformation uh between titles and education and you know the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist it's one of those things where all dietitians are nutritionists but not all nutritionists are dietitians you know we have to have degrees. Starting next year, we're going to have to have our master's. We have to have a year-long internship in all these different areas of clinical nutrition, um, acute care, outpatient, long-term, food service, community. Some specialize in things like pediatrics and tube feeds, renal, um, all of these different areas. We have to go through so much. We have to pass a, a national board exam and that's so that we can become a registered dietitian, whereas nutritionists have a much lower cost of entry. And I am not discrediting them because I know there are a lot who 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 know a lot about nutrition, but there are a lot of programs out there that you know are are just pushing 
there, you know, you pay us, we'll give you a piece of paper sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So you just have to discern a little bit. Um, if something sounds a little extreme, sounds a little wonky, sounds a little unbalanced or salesy, then it probably is. So yeah, well, I mean, on the other on the other end of the spectrum, there's doctors that we were taught to believe them, and they've had what what is it less than one like semester? Yeah, one semester on nutrition, and we're just like, well, the doctor said, and mm-hmm. that's not what the doctors are being taught, unfortunately. Yep, yep. That's why you know we really try, but th- there does need to be a lot more advocacy for us within the medical field. Um, you know, and I'm I'm very fortunate. I have a great relationship with all of our primary care providers, but I know that that's not the case everywhere. I know there are a lot of places where dietitians are sort of poo-pooed on and seen as lesser than because the doctors know better. Um, when really, you know, we're specialists for a reason. Like yeah. you do your thing, you know, we will handle this area. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they have a zillion other things to worry about where they just need to be okay with with handing that portion off to to the professionals when it comes to when it comes to nutrition um all right so where can our audience find you and connect with you and reach out to you uh so i right now you know it's um instagram wild ginger wellness and working on revamping website so that's down at the moment but um my email address is the best best way to connect with me directly. Um, so you'll have that. You can provide it to whomever. Um, I also have, uh, through my link tree, a scheduler. So if anybody's interested in a one-on-one consult, we can go over that, see, you know, maybe you're curious, like, where are you out of balance a little bit? What kind of goals are appealing to you and how do you move forward towards them? We can tackle all of that because being a holistic health coach, as well as a dietitian, it lets me have a little bit bigger wheelhouse and area that I work in. Awesome. I'll put all that in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. But thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. It was great chatting. Thank you all for joining me in another episode of the Bread Therapy Mama podcast. If you like this kind of content, check out my blog for recipes, how-tos, product recommendations, and more. Just go to breadtherapymama.com. I'll see you all in the next episode.